Welcome to Ottawa Valley Vineyard, where we simply want to help you encounter Jesus, be transformed, and share his love. Well, uh, we're going to talk for a little bit about uh, knowing the will of God, um, which is obviously uh, something that I think would be sort of great if we all could do, is know exactly what God wanted for us. Now, we know we can think of God's will in certain different ways, right? We can think of the overarching sovereign will of God, the God who spoke the universe into existence, and like, uh, really essentially like a man who hits a billiard ball and strikes once and all the balls go in the pockets as they bounce around the table, like the power of God to sort of work all things toward a conclusion and ultimately uh, sovereignly cause the world to end up where he wants it to work. So we think of God's will in that way. We think of God's will in terms of his revealed will, his commanded will, um, where he commands us uh, not to murder people, not to kill people, not to uh, do horrible things. And uh, there's a way in which he's delegated some authority to us for the working of his will, and we disobey that all the time. And then there's wanting to know his will in terms of what direction uh, we take on the things that aren't directly revealed in the scriptures, the things that aren't directly commanded in the scriptures. Like, uh, you know, I think we could take this to the nth degree and be crazy about it and be asking God, like, okay, so do I open the door with my left hand or my right hand? And what will conclusion will that produce? What will, what will that make happen in the universe? Or should I uh, have a stick of gum or shouldn't I have a stick of gum? Or should I pick up that piece of garbage or shouldn't I? I mean, when I was super intense, uh, when I was a young uh, guy about trying to listen to the Holy Spirit and sort of hear from him prophetically, I was asking him, I'd see a piece of garbage on the ground, like, God, should I pick that up? And I think, you know, like, I don't, maybe he had a plan and wanted to speak to me about whether I picked up that garbage or not. I don't know. Uh, but there are really bigger questions that we wrestle with. And, and, and the answer to sort of uh, finding those uh, those ways of moving through the world have a lot to do with what we hear directly from God. We hear that prophetic, but it also has to do with the kind of people that we are. Are we people who will just act because our character has been transformed and made more like him? Will we act in the way that he would want us to act? And so that that goal of inner transformation is really the starting point for prayer. And so as a church, we're going to uh, call ourselves to prayer over the next little while. We're going to see a few uh, emails come out about that in the next little while, maybe a little video uh, message for me about it, saying we really have some big decisions to make as a church, like um, as sort of this time of pandemic sort of unfolds, when do we start meeting in person? Um, or do we keep online? How do we do small groups? Uh, we don't have a facility. Do we need to uh, source a facility? All of those kinds of questions. We really want to know the will of God on that, but it's not really clear. You can't sort of like open up, uh, you know, Psalm uh, 59 and say, OVV shall buy a building at this given time. You know, that's just not there, right? So we have to make those decisions uh, based on uh, hearing from God and knowing as well, knowing his plan for us and all the other wisdom that we have. So we want to know those parts, though. We want to know um, God's will. We want the data points. And we're going to seek him and we're going to pray and we're going to listen and we're going to go for that. But the problem is, is that when we listen to God, we often listen through the lens of our presuppositions, our preferences, our pain, um, and our doubts and fears and all of those sorts of things that we're actually not great listeners, if we're really honest about who we are. Um, so let me give you an example. Say we're asking these sort of questions for us as a church and for a community. Um, you know, do we have a building? Do we go for a building? We could pray and say, hey, God, what do you want us to do? What do you want us to do as a community? Do you want us to uh, 
do small groups, do building, do online church, do all of the above. And if God is broadcasting, yeah, it is time for you to uh, plant yourselves in small groups. And so he's broadcasting prophetic words to us and dreams about networks and about um, little plant shoots going under the ground, little shoots coming up and little places. And we see a vision of, you know, a whole bunch of tiny churches all in the area. We, we might sort of get those visions and those input pieces uh, from, um, uh, you know, from the Holy Spirit. But when we hear them, there's a part of me that hears them and says, uh, yeah, but God, I kind of like, I'm really uncomfortable in small groups, maybe. Uh, it seems too vulnerable to me. I don't want to go into somebody's home. They're not comfortable with Zoom. And so we, you know, sort of downplay those. We don't listen to that piece as well. Or when we're talking about, say, a building, we think, yeah, maybe God is calling us. We need a ministry facility uh, to be planted in the area to say, hey, OVV is here in the region. Uh, we're here with purpose and we're here to do ministry out of this space and we need space for studio, all that kind of stuff. But there's a part of me that is also saying, yeah, but oh man, my business isn't doing that great right now. I'm saving for other things. Uh, this is going to be a huge sacrifice. I don't want to be going into this place on Saturday and taking some industrial facility that we've got and cleaning it out and filling dumpsters and getting dusty and dirty when I could be out fishing, right? So we have that sort of uh, inner desire that's in us that sort of might point us towards not hearing that word from God as we would want to hear it. Or if it's online church, it's like, man, I hate Zoom calls. I, I can't hear the Lord say that to me. Or if it's uh, all of the above, there might be one or more of these ideas that you have an inner resistance to. And so when we do ultimately decide to say, do some sort of hybrid all of all of these, if we decided to do that, or if we felt like God was leading us that way, then you might want to participate in one more than the other or support one more than the other. And the bottom line is, is that as we seek God moves, as we listen for his word, we actually don't want our preferences. We don't want a uh, just our input from ourselves. We don't want just our personal needs. We really want to be people who are submitted and surrendered to God and hearing what his purpose is for us as a community. We are led people. We are people who say Jesus is our Lord. And so the very first part of prayer for us is just establishing that. The bottom line is, is we will not get good data unless God gets our hearts. And just say that again. We will not get good data when we seek God unless he first gets our hearts, right? So we want to uh, be listening. We want to be responding. We want to be uh, people who are oriented to hear what he is broadcasting and to accurately transmit it and to discern and go forward. And that's what Romans chapter 12 verses 1 and 2 is really talking about. And we're going to dig into it. Um, the end of Romans uh, chapter uh, 12 verses 1 and 2 is uh, sort of this proclamation from Paul that he wants you to know the will of God. And we're just going to sort of reverse engineer uh, those three verses to sort of look at the things that he's saying that will ultimately make us people who can know the will of God. But let's just read the text and then we'll, we'll dive into it. We'll pick out a few details from uh, Paul's beautiful writing here in Romans chapter 12. Let me read. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, 
and perfect will. And I'll say this applies to uh, us as a community and our seeking corporately, but it applies to you uh, individually. Um, you're thinking about where you're going to go to school, thinking about what you're going to do in terms of your career. Uh, you're thinking about all of those decisions that you need to make in life. Um, this pattern of becoming a person who can hear and respond to the Word of God is, is something that's going to serve you really, really well. We're just going to pack this in the text. So first, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When we first, when we read that verse, that verse, beginning of verse two, uh, the first thing that sort of rises up in us naturally is kind of a, man, that's just a call to holiness, a call to purity for sort of religious region, reasons, right? It's a call to purity for sort of uh, uh, reasons of worship. And that absolutely is that, is that call to purity. But in this context, uh, it's actually uh, functional. Those are things that we're going to need to be able to be people who will be able to test and approve what God's will is. We're called to be different, not for arbitrary religious reasons, or not just for arbitrary religious reasons, but for a functional reason. That's just so that we can be led by God. Uh, we're called to those things so it's possible for us to hear God's will and to be able to respond to it. Um, so let's just dig into the second half of that verse so that you... All, and I want to make, point that out again about the all. It's all y'all, all y'all corporately. Uh, so it's both an individual thing and something we want to respond to as people, but it's also something that is talking about a body. It's talking about the community of the church in Rome and ultimately our community here uh, in Ottawa Valley, Carlton Place, Almont, Smith Falls, Perth, where we're hearing uh, from God together to test and approve what God's will is for us together. Um, and I want to just dig into that idea of testing and approving, uh, because there's two really important ideas tied into one word there. Um, and I want to just dig into them. the first one is the idea of proving or testing um, what God's will is. And that word uh, prove, that Greek word dokimazin, is really a word that means to arrive through testing and analysis at a place of knowing with confidence. And where we see that word in extra biblical literature, like literature outside the Bible, is in academia, in Greek academia. We see it in the process that a student would go through uh, as to ultimately get a degree or ultimately get a stamp of approval from a teacher who is mentoring him. So we see this kind of thing in Plato's writings, Socrates. We see that uh, that, that process of being a student under a teacher is where you are being proved, where you are uh, being tested to know that you, to say that you have the knowledge that the teacher wants you to have. So that's what God's heart for us is. That's what God's desire is for us, is to us to come to a process of feeling confident that we know the things that he wants us to know. And I want to say that there's uh, testing there, there's analysis there, that it's not a process that's meant to be, um, in, in some ways, like, we wouldn't we like it if God would just sort of say really clearly and write it on a wall somewhere, we've got a green screen up here in the studio, and if God wrote in yellow on our green screen, really bright, you know, thou shalt have a building, and this is the address, and this is where the money is going to come to do it. Like, that would be pretty sweet if he would communicate. God, if you want to do that, hallelujah, like, do that. Uh, but most often, us determining things as a community, Matt's just checking the green screen right now to see if God's done it. Nothing yet. Thanks. Thanks, Matt. Um, 
you know, uh, ultimately often it's happening through a discerning process. And that's something that we actually have as a community, something we've talked about. I've just pulled a slide in from an older sermon. We want to see things align. We want to see that something is scriptural. We want to have some sort of prophetic witness. Uh, we want to see that the community is in agreement. Uh, we want to see that there's solid theology. We want to see that it makes sense. We want to see that it lines up with the, the knowledge, the reality, the real estate, what we have in our region, all that kind of stuff. We see all of these tools that God's given us aligned, then we can know fairly surely that we're on a good trajectory that's healthy for us. So that's uh, an important part of testing and proving and knowing the will of God is using all of our faculties. So we get a bit of data, we get a bit of information, uh, we get some prophetic words, and then we uh, look into all of the other details around that and we sort of process it and we say, hey, I think it seems good for us to go in this direction. And the way uh, the language they had for it in the uh, New Testament, in the book of Acts is actually beautiful, is this seems good to us and to the Holy Spirit. And that's really what we ultimately want to be able to say about whatever direction God has for it, is this seems good to us in the Holy Spirit. Um, so that's actually a, an important part of the process is all that analysis, what process we use by which we make our decisions. But this text isn't as interested in that. Um, the, it's also interested in this, this second part. It's interested in it, but it's not the primary thing in the whole text. Uh, the second idea that's, that's in this word is to approve. It also means to, to prove and to approve to commit one's identity to something. So a student who's gone through this process uh, then has a commitment uh, from the teacher who's taught him, a seal that sort of says, hey, this is an approved student. This is a person that I trust who knows the things that I wanted that student to have, and I'm going to put my seal on them. I'm going to grant them this degree or whatever it is. And the same word is sort of used in a legal sense in the, in the ancient world uh, that's tied with like, okay, now I've taken my identity, I've taken my family, I've taken who I am as a person, and I'm committing myself to this course. I'm committing myself to this contract. And so uh, they would actually use a seal uh, to do that. And what a seal is, is something that is just really clearly uh, tied to your identity as a family. And so uh, I think that's really the, the really important idea for us in all of this, to test and approve what God's will is. We, we not only want to know it, we don't only want to sort of have the data, crunch the data, know what God wants us to do. We, we have to want what God wants for us. In fact, we actually won't see what he actually wants for us unless we're kind of wanting it on the front end. But then once we have it, we know all kinds of things that God wants us to do, and we just disobey all the time. We just don't do them. So the important part of really being able to say that we know God's will is wanting it and own it. It's not enough for us to know God's will. We must also become people who want it and own it. And in part, that's a relational thing. How many of you guys know uh, with your children, say, um, or with uh, an employee or with somebody else who's in your life, um, when they sort of come to you and you've told them the thing that they need to do, and it's like they're shuffling their feet and it's kind of grudging. It's like, yeah, okay, I'll do it. Maybe I won't do it. There's not this sort of joyful response. I want to do this thing that I've asked you to do. As an employer, as a parent, it's like, ah, it's just, it's not satisfying. It's sort of, it can hurt our hearts in a way. And I think God's heart is like that. He uh, wants us to respond with joy. He wants us to have an internal witness, an internal excitement about doing the things that he's called us to do about uh, being after the things he wants us to be after. So we want to not only know God's will, 
we uh, want to not only obey God's will, but we want to become people who want it with our whole hearts and are excited about it, no matter what it costs us. And that's what this text is really concerned with. It's not just about getting the data and getting the information. It's really concerned with our character. And that's where we uh, dig, uh, again, we're reverse engineering. We're going back into the first part of uh, uh, verse two. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. That's the first part in practically how we become people who actually want the thing that God's calling us to do. Uh, we are called to be thoughtful about the cultural influences that might affect our perceptions and decision-making processes. Um, that's a lot to take in. It seems like, holy smokes, how do I engage with culture? Do I have to go get a university degree to know God's will, to understand what's going on in a culture? That's obviously not what we're asking people to do, but if anybody does, we're going to support it, right? Like we want people to grow and be educated. But ultimately, um, there has to be a decoupling from the influences in your life that aren't uh, influences that are godly so that you can not fit anymore into the mold. And that's what that word in the Greek is, that do not conform, is do not uh, be molded by. We have to break out of the mold that society has for us. And if we look at our lives, we look at um, who we are as people, that there are powerful forces uh, pressing in on us from every direction, trying to cause us to think and be in a certain way. And there's a worldview that we have. There's a, an agenda, maybe it's not an organized agenda, except maybe by the evil one uh, in our society to cause you to be a certain kind of person and to think a certain kind of way. And I just threw a bunch of isms up here. Uh, I don't mean for us to go through them in any sort of detail at all, but materialism, Darwinism, uh, I just put conspiracies in there. Some of us are influenced by all kinds of crazy uh, fears and uh, all kinds of stuff that we're reading into in the dark corner of the internet, um, maybe it's progressivism, deism, relativism, whatever it is, all kinds of different isms. I could have put any number of them in there. But there are thoughts, uh, there are ways of being that are trying to uh, cause you to be uh, an ungodly person, an unchrist-like person, right? So let's take uh, let's just take one of them uh, for example. Uh, let's just take materialism for example. Like say um, you are living. Uh, as a materialistic person, which I think we are all to some degree. Um, and God is calling you forward into mission. God's calling you forward into ministry. God's calling you uh, forward to give and contribute and do uh, things in the community that, uh, that you know that you're called to do. Uh, if we are ultimately people who value um, our standard of living, who ultimately value our stuff, above the direction that God is maybe calling us to go. And this is something that Jesus just encountered all the time in the New Testament, like with the rich young ruler, all kinds of stories like that. If we are ultimately oriented around the material things in our lives more than we're oriented around the kingdom of God, then he might call us to do something that we just simply don't want to do. Because our worldview tells us that what's really important is uh, the material things. And we get that by watching uh, just so much TV, so much media, uh, what we watch in terms of product placement, on Netflix programs, whatever it is, all of that kind of stuff subtly influences us and uh, causes us to um, be ultimately uh, tied down into something that uh, we don't want 
uh, to be tied into. We, we, we get squeezed, we get squished. Uh, we're going to talk in a few weeks about a deism, about sort of a, a new emerging religion, moralistic uh, therapeutic deism, right? Which is this sort of a new emerging religion. Those are just big words. But the idea there is that uh, God just wants you to have a moral life and to sort of do what you think is best. And if you live in a way that's more good than more bad, then that's great. And God exists to sort of make you feel better and like make your life better. It's not really about following him. It's not really about his lordship. It's about uh, just him uh, sort of making you feel good. Um, and, and by the way, he's not all that interested. He's not all that close. It's just all about how he sort of made the universe. Just a really r- brutal, rough summary. Uh, that's the way a lot of us are living as Christians right now isn't it? Uh, We're not literally listening to the Lord and saying, how are you guiding me to be a person who is living in the way that you want me to live? Uh, I'm not repenting of sin. I'm not acknowledging sin in my life. I'm not coming before the cross. I'm just trying to live kind of better, more good than I am living bad. Um, And uh, God just sort of wants me to feel good about myself anyway. Um, He's not that close, that interested. He's not offended when I sin, all that kind of stuff. Um, that's sort of the way a lot of us are living as Christians, right? That's an influence on our lives. And we have to begin to uh, place ourselves back in uh, a world where we acknowledge the holiness and majesty and, and manifest presence of God in our lives that he cares uh, about what we're doing. Um, so anyway, we don't want to conform to those influences around our lives. So we're intentionally called to identify and reject influences that deflect our values away from Christ and his mission right? And you can identify for yourself maybe what some of those influences are. Say we want to look at, I mean, just another one really quick, chasing a rabbit here. Uh, Maybe I shouldn't do this. But say, if you look at what the concept of justice is on Netflix and how it's influencing a generation, you remember when you used to watch a movie, uh, the hero in the movie um, was there to protect somebody who was really vulnerable, right? And that was sort of the iconic hero in, in any of the sort of older movies that you would have seen uh, in, in culture in days ago. Now, when you look at a movie, you have, you have John Wick, you have, uh, all kinds of different movies where it's not actually about protecting the weak and the innocent. The whole, uh, objective of the movie is vengeance for a person who is wronged. And so if we get a sense of justice and are we allow our sense of Christian justice to be morphed by what the emerging sense of justice that's being placed on us by art and culture is, uh, we're going to end up understanding social justice to be something that could be, could be violent, that could be vengeful, that could be angry. And actually, I think we're seeing some of that in the U.S. now. And we see some of that in Canada, that some of the social justice movements are filled uh, with, with so much more rage than is appropriate for Christians. Um, uh, and I think part of that is a shift that's happened for us culturally, just culturally, just because of some of the art and stuff that we've taken in. Um, hopefully that's not too controversial thinking uh, for some folks, but I think that there's a challenge there. We're being changed by our culture more than we want uh, to, to acknowledge, and we have to recognize these things and intentionally reject them. So I'm going to just take a moment. I've got this little uh, prayer emoji on the screen, and I'm just going to take a second and pause and we'll just pray, just have a moment of reflection and just just say, hey, let's just listen in for a second to uh, what God has for us in this area. So, Father, we don't want to conform uh, to our society. We don't want to conform to culture. Uh, we want you to be our influence. So would you show us influences in our lives that are sending us off course? 
Maybe it's materialism. Maybe it's relativism. Maybe it's uh, this idea that we can just actualize ourselves without input from community or God, whatever it is. Whatever those ideas are, would you just begin to challenge them in us? Would you take us on a journey of growing and becoming more like you? We don't want to be growing in the soil of culture. We want to be growing in the soil of the Spirit. Do that in us, Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, we can interact on that more another time. Uh, the second part of that verse is uh, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So you have to reject some programming, but you also have to accept a new upload. Um, you have to accept a new firmware update by uh, the work of the Spirit and a dedication to discipleship. And I mentioned those things uh, too very intentionally. One, that there is a regeneration of the mind that happens. That's a work of the Holy Spirit that happens supernaturally. And he's done amazing things. I've actually seen this happen in people's lives. Uh, one of the youth that I worked with in Toronto was somebody who was uh, like uh, drug addicted to the point where they were uh, had actually experienced what we would say some significant brain damage uh, so that they were actually not able to think and remember and function uh, in a way that uh, that was good and healthy. And we began to pray for this person and just felt like as uh, the Lord directed me to give some counsel, like, I just want you to read the Psalms as far as you can every day and just stop when you when you can't concentrate anymore but the next time read it start at the beginning again and read as far as you can the next time and literally just by reading the scriptures and prayer and exposure to the holy spirit this person who was who was acting like their faculties were severely diminished diminished over time had their mind completely healed and renewed uh, to sharpness and solid memory and and good ability to function and follow the things that god was calling them to do so we need the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit to renew our minds. But we also need a dedication to discipleship. We need a dedication to actually learn. And that's where some of this passion for Alpha is coming from, is that we need to make sure our programming is good. We need to make sure that we are working out of a Christian worldview. Uh, we need our influences to be great. We need our minds to be regenerated, be resurrected, uh, to be uh, brought back to life. And renewed mind needs to be renewed because of that spelling mistake. Um, and so we just want to uh, just pray into that for a moment. And I'm just going to take a second and pray for uh, renewed minds and, and then pray for dedication to discipleship. So, Father, we just pray for that for anybody who uh, feels like um, their mind is in a fog of so much confusion from uh, media, from culture, from stuff that we're taking in. Anybody who's walking in that fog, I pray in particular for young people. Um, people just constantly maybe scrolling through uh, inane stuff on Instagram, whatever it is, Father, uh, uh, whoever it is, I just pray uh, that all of those influences, all of that fog, all of that confusion, that you would cut through it, that you would supernaturally, spiritually, powerfully uh, renew our minds and help us to function again with healthy, critical thinking. Would you uh, stretch our ability to read? Those of us who can't even read books anymore, Father, I pray that you would enable us to read and grapple with big ideas. Those of us who have diminished attention spans, Father, I ask you to spiritually, supernaturally heal 
our minds so that we can read things uh, that are going to uh, engage us, that are going to enrich us. Uh, if we can only listen to five minutes of a podcast, would you stretch us to be able to listen to 10, 15, 20, uh, 30? Would you make us people who can learn and absorb and take in the programming that you want us to take in, uh, to take in a firmware update for you? Would you actually take our spiritual hard drives, our mental hard drives, and would you reformat them uh, so that they can take in the information that you want us to take in? Would you convert our minds to think the way you want us to think? Do that work, uh, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And so there's this idea. Uh, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And it's a little plug for Alpha here. <laughs> Matt's happy. Uh, we really want to do that, right? We love, again, I would love everybody at OVV to jump in on Alpha so we can say that we have a common understanding a common starting place in terms of just some of the thoughts that are in there about who Jesus is, who God is, who the Holy Spirit is, just to reboot us. Because I think uh, I could say probably pretty safely that a good number of us in the community, even over this COVID time, have taken in uh, some things that are a little bit poisonous to us. And I think we want to just reboot and retool. Strongly encourage you to jump into a uh, Alpha. So that's cool. Uh, so I just want to summarize these things. Uh, to be people who can actually know the will of God, we need to break out of the world's mode, um, mold. Uh, we need to accept Jesus' renewing of our minds. And then the third thing is actually in Romans chapter 1. And just for time's sake, we're not even going to tackle it this week. Um, but it says this, it says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Uh, one of the greatest challenges, I think, for us is that we are ultimately selfish. We are ultimately people who want our own way. We want our own thing. And when you talk about this living sacrifices verse, like sometimes I'm like, this can be preached the most depressing thing you've ever heard in your life. Like, oh, I drag my sorry butt up on the altar and give my life to Jesus again. Like, this sucks. <laughs> Right? That's not what we're talking about. Like, I, I think we are meant to be living sacrifices, vibrant, powerfully alive, um, luminous, living, thriving, breathing, dancing, loving, praying, caring, sacrifices, our lives offered on the altar to Jesus in a radical way. And I want us to understand that because um, when we say sacrifice, we think Old Testament, we think uh, atonement, we think, you know, slay your goats and your chickens or whatever the heck it is, right? That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about being alive and given over to God in a powerful way. That's how the early Christians lived, and that's how we want to live. We want to live fully thriving, alive, filled with the Holy Spirit, and completely given over uh, to Jesus Christ. And when we become people like that, we we can test and approve the will of God, and we can go where he's calling us to do, and that's the goal. We want to go where he's calling us to do. So we're going to unpack uh, verse 1, Romans uh, 12, uh, next week, and uh, hopefully you'll tune in for that and connect. Thanks for joining us. To connect to the ministries of Ottawa Valley Vineyard, visit ovv.ca.